welcome back for another episode of Nose on the Wall. I'm Justin Reed. We'll jump right into the sponsors before we get into the good stuff. As always, this episode of Nose on the Wall is brought to you by our friends at Free Lunch Coffee. Free Lunch Coffee is the wonderful new coffee brand that's donating 50% of all of their revenue to nonprofits supporting ending child hunger worldwide. Uh, and in addition to their great mission, they are also providing fantastic coffee. So if you are a coffee drinker like I am and you want to help some kids, go to freelunchcoffee.com slash nose. That's F-R-E-E-L-U-N-C-H-C-O-F-F-E-E dot com slash nose for 10% off of your order. Make sure you use the coupon code nose at checkout. This episode is also brought to you, this is a new one, by Keeps. Are you bald? Is your husband or boyfriend bald? Would you like them not to be? Have them try Keeps. Keeps is the revolutionary new product that is helping men keep their hair. And I know you might be thinking, Justin, this is probably some sort of like snake oil or or some sort of you know gas station bathroom fix. It's not. It's medicine. And I am fortunate enough to not to have kept my hair, but I know a lot of people out there are not, right? So if you or a loved one happens to be in that position, there is something you can do about hair loss. It is not something that has to happen to you. And uh, so here's how it works. You'll sign up online, answer a few questions. Within 24 hours, a licensed physician, not some random person off the street, a licensed physician will recommend the right treatment for you. If you're just general thinning, if you have a receding hairline, if you're thinning from the crown and you need a yarmulke to cover up your bald spot, they will recommend the right treatment. From there, they ship it to you discreetly every three months, and it'll help you keep your hair. Now, this code's a little weird one. They gave us a, a, a new one. It, it's kind of strange. We're going to get a more straightforward uh, link coming uh, coming down the pike. But for now, you'll go to keeps.q3qw, that is queen3queenwestchester.net slash nose for 35% off. That's right, 35% off your three-month subscription. On today's episode, I speak to Beth Birchfield. Beth was recommended uh, to me from Rachel Noel, who appeared on episode 10, I believe it is. And uh, I had never met Beth before our conversation. Um, and she is so cool. She is a she has bees in her backyard and is leading the chart in all sorts of women's issues and sustainability issues in um, in Colorado. And I, th I had a blast talking to her, and I think you will like it. So jumping right in, thank you for your patience as we read the ads from the sponsors. Um, that is what keeps the show running, so I, I do appreciate your patience. But without any further ado, the wonderful Beth. All right, with me I have the wonderful Beth. Thank you so much for, for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, w one of the... Uh, recent episodes with Rachel Noel, um, I asked her, I was like, hey, who do you think I should talk to on the show? And immediately she said, my friend Beth. And she said, she she described you as a badass, a total badass, and someone that I needed to talk to immediately. So, Oh, I love that. She's so great. So I, I took her advice and, and got you on 
uh, got you on the show here. And it's exciting for me for a couple of reasons. One, I always like, you know, meeting new people. But this is our very first interaction period other than coordinating uh, on Instagram. So I know nothing about you. And you get to unpack your childhood and answer a bunch of deep, deep questions with a complete stranger. So I hope you're up for it. I am so up for it. I think it's so fun. Uh, Yeah, I think this is a a great concept. I think it's great that um, we're just diving in as total strangers and we're (laughs) going to get into the nitty gritty of my past. Yeah. So first, since I really don't have any context on you and your life, before I ask my questions, who is Beth? Give me the, the rundown. Sure. So, you know, the the LinkedIn profile uh, would would say that um, I am the chief sustainability officer for Remark, which is an app that makes it easy for users to give feedback to businesses on their sustainability practices. Oh, and okay. then it connects those businesses to resources to change um, while not impacting their bottom line. Um so yeah, we're a public benefit corporation and I joined that team this year. Um, and then I'm also the co-founder of Women in Sustainability, which is um, a nonprofit that's focused on advocacy and education um, for women and allies in the sustainability field. So that's, uh, that's my LinkedIn profile, but uh, on the, the other side, on the personal side, I'm obviously, you know, I'm friends with... Uh, with Rachel, who you interviewed, um, she is also a badass. And um, I live in Colorado with my husband and dog, and I'm a backyard beekeeper and love everything about the outdoors. Um, and yeah, that's kind of uh, just me in a snapshot, I suppose. Sure. So a couple questions. Yeah. So when you're talking sustainability, I assume you mean like environmental. Right? Yeah. Yes. Primarily environmental. Gotcha. Gotcha. So where does the, the first question that comes to mind, you, you mentioned, and, and hopefully I'm understanding your work, right. Um, You mentioned that you are involved with women and allies in the sustainability field. I guess my, my question is where, where did that like subsection of sustainability, uh, efforts and initiatives i don't I, i'm not sure how exactly to phrase this question um sure like where where did how did that become like a sub yeah. of sustainability yeah. is that kind of what you're asking yeah, i think so yeah sure let's go for it um so i mean so you can't really talk about climate justice without talking about social justice and unfortunately the people that are most impacted by climate policy are usually um, people, um, it's usually the BIPOC community, so um, people of color and more impoverished communities and women that are most impacted around the planet. So um, what, how, the, how I really started working with that group is I just realized there were so many other women really working, working on different sectors of sustainability, whether it's you know, pet sustainability or food systems or regenerative agriculture or solar or all of these different subsections, but there wasn't a lot of integration and there wasn't a lot of mentorship for graduates that wanted to work in this field. And so um, me and my business partner, Becky, um, put together this plan to kind of like, how do we expand this? 
Uh, and I just feel like there needs to be more collaboration and resources, both in the private sector and for individuals. So I feel like that's that kind of is the what I, I try to do both at Remark, working with, I primarily work on the business side, helping businesses be more um, environmentally sustainable and save money. And then also in women and sustainability, trying to educate and mentor um, and advocate for policies that, that help uh, those communities that are most impacted. Sure. So, okay, that makes sense. That definitely yeah. that clarifies it. Thank you. Yeah, totally. And then the other, the other thing that jumped out to me was you're a backyard beekeeper. Did I hear that right? I am. Oh, man. And uh, I will talk about it to anyone who will let me. <laughs> yeah. The floor is yours. How on <laughs> I, I am obsessed. So um, my I had been talking about um, the importance of, of bees and how, you know, we should really look at um, how the bee populations are impacted because, you know, we need them for food. It's like one of every three bites of food you can thank a bee for. And so, um, yeah, it's crazy the, the impact they have and, and how dependent we are on them, but that we don't really advocate for them. And so I've been talking about it for a long time and then, my brother for Christmas one year uh, bought me an intro to beekeeping class because I think he was tired of me just talking about it, not doing anything about it. So right. it really, uh, it was one of the best presents I've ever gotten. And um, I, I bought my first hive of, of bees and it's just in our backyard, just super close to, to Denver. It's just a normal backyard. And I have two hives back there now because they swarmed this last year, which means they like created a second hive. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with them. I feel like there's so much that we can learn from bees, both in looking at how we structure, you know, even our businesses of the ways, the way that bees function within a hive, there's so much we can learn from. And then of course, I just also do it because, um, it's good for the planet and, it, and in the the uh, bonus of having bees too is I realized my allergies, my personal allergies, declined significantly because I'm allergic to pollen, and they uh, extract all the pollen around you from like the the five mile radius around you, and then they also um, just blew up my garden. So we have a, a little garden in the backyard, and it just exploded. Our tomato plants were like over six feet tall. It was hilarious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just a it's a hobby that um, I try to bring up any chance I get. <laughs> what do the neighbors think about you having bees? Thank God they're okay with it. Um, both of my neighbors think it's uh, that it's pretty cool, uh, our next door neighbors. Um, I'm sure if there were any, luckily honeybees are super nice um, and they, they don't really bug anybody. Um, so, and you know, they don't bug my pets or anything and they don't want to sting you because they die if they sting you. So honeybees are, are the nice ones. Uh, usually when people say they don't like bees, they, I feel like they mean wasps because um, they're more aggressive. But uh, luckily our next door neighbors are fine with it. Um, I think if we ended up, uh, my husband said I'm not allowed to get any more hives because I right. think if we had a, a whole, a bunch of hives in the backyard, then uh, it would probably start being a problem to the neighbors. Right. Right. You are fascinating. <laughs> Thanks. So that's why Rachel suggested we we uh, we talk. That's just a nice, I feel like fascinating is a nice way to say like, a l you're a little odd, <laughs> which is totally fine. That's not what I mean. It's true too. I don't mean odd in, I mean, at least not yet. I don't mean odd. <laughs> I 
mean, perhaps captivating is. The, oh, oh, thank you. That works. Um, so I'm really curious to unpack your your childhood and, and your upbringing. Yeah. So diving into my my standard first question, thinking back to your childhood, what was your favorite or just what comes to mind first smell? Ooh, smell. Um. All right, there's there's two that come to mind uh, immediately. The first is my mom making cinnamon rolls, which is okay. really just the smell of like rising dough and melted butter, and you put melted butter on anything, and I'm in. Um, and then the second is so I was born in Colorado, and junior high, high school, and college was spent in Colorado. But from age two to twelve, I was in a tiny town in Nevada um, called Elko, Nevada. Um, uh, that very few people have probably heard about. And so um, when it rains in Nevada, it the smell of wet sagebrush, I know it sounds odd, but the smell of wet sagebrush is just this smell that immediately takes me back to my childhood. It's just like the smell of rain in a desert is one of my favorite smells ever. And I can very vividly think of exactly what that smells like. And it, it takes me right back to, to childhood for sure. Yeah, you know, it's actually not um, not an odd answer at all i had a, another guest uh one of the earlier episodes who uh said he, there's a specific word for like the 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 smell right before it's going to rain mm. think of the uh um the word for it uh just oh petrichor is what it's called oh, P what a cool word c-h-o-r petrichor and it's the it's that unique earthy smell associated with either right before or right after it rains oh that's fun that's what it, it, perhaps the desert has its own you know specific you know subsection of, of of smell characteristics um but no you're not alone in that at all yeah that's such a good smell um and for the cinnamon rolls i'm, I'm curious you know you, you it was the smell that came to mind and then you in a way kind of like dismiss it. Oh, this is the smell of butter and, and dough. So my question is, it seems to me that it has nothing to do with the actual cinnamon rolls, but perhaps like cooking with your mom or time spent with your mom. Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, yeah. I think especially, you know, my mom was one of those that would let us, um, or at least me, I'm, I'm also the youngest of five. So I think I got away with a lot more uh, oh, sure. than my other siblings. So I, you know, we would stay up late and she'd be baking or something and she'd let me stay up late with her. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, cooking with my mom and being in the kitchen was definitely a huge chunk of some of my favorite memories as a kid. Sure. What were some of the go-to recipes you guys would cook together? Um, there was, so there was one year that both of my grandmas, um, had two different recipes for peanut butter fudge and okay. we wanted to combine them and make the ultimate peanut butter fudge and so we made like 20 batches of fudge that year that immediately comes to mind it's hilarious but now we have the best peanut butter fudge recipe on the planet in my opinion um <laughs> and, uh and then cinnamon rolls for sure were were always on the list um you know it's it's funny it's mostly baked goods uh i don't think my mom would say that she's a, a great chef otherwise it's like most of our meat was you know, I didn't know pork chops had flavor until college. Um, <laughs> and so a lot of our meat was like very uh, over 
cooked in my opinion. Um, and, uh, wasn't exactly had the most, you know, flavor. They didn't use a lot of seasoning or salt or anything like that, but all of the baked goods were, were definitely my favorite. And then, um, I kind of realized later in life too, is like anything that is associated with butter is <laughs> usually like I'm in, I, I was making a list. I was like, Oh, you know, I love crab legs and I love croissants and I love, uh, like all of these different things. And, and, uh, one of my friends was like, it kind of sounds like you just like butter. And I was like, you know what? You're probably right. So, um, I think that definitely has something to do with it too. <laughs> oh, butter's your favorite food? Butter, which sounds so, which sounds so gross, but yeah, probably butter's my favorite no, food. <laughs> I'm with you. I am so with you. Anything that's um, a vehicle for butter, sign me up. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, my, we kind of have a similar um, dynamic in, in in our home. My wife is a kick-ass baker. Um, I mean, her her, I I a couple of Christmases ago, I got her a KitchenAid mixer. And I was like, I believe in you. This is, this is yours. Have fun. Yeah. And oh my goodness, the, just the, the, from scratch, you know, chocolate chip cookies. And she does mm. this, this, um, this chocolate chip pumpkin bread. Mm. Let wow. me tell you, let me tell you something. <laughs> I, all of my health and weight loss efforts up until fall, get thrown out the window when pumpkin bread comes to town yeah all bets are off i can eat a loaf in a sitting it's so it is so perfect and the reason it's perfect is because it is the single best vehicle for butter mm-hmm. oh my I'll, I'll i'll send you recipes if you please send though. me the recipe <laughs> and what a present for yourself to get your wife a KitchenAid mixer like oh what yeah a- that like, is, this is, that is this is for you, for me. This is for you, for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then she also her fudge recipe is a, a you know family recipe, yeah. And everyone kind of raises an eyebrow at it because the the secret to it is raisins. And interesting that and, raisins are very controversial. Uh huh. And everyone and their mother goes raisins and fudge, and we have we we've learned to go just try it. I promise this will change your world. And sure enough, everyone that tries her fudge, they go, oh my God, it's the raisins that do it. And I'll, wow. I'll, follow, I'll follow up our chat with every, with every dessert recipe. Please, in her please. I'll, I'll, share, I'll share my peanut butter fudge one too. We'll, we'll share oh, recipes. Perfect. <laughs> um, I'm I, kind of <laughs> reining it back in a little bit. Um, so you're one of five. What was your relationship with your siblings like? So my oldest brother is 17 years older than me. So okay. big, big age gap, same parents. Um, they're still together, been married 54 years, um, but super big age gap. Um, the last, especially the last two kids were, were big surprises. Um, sure. So I, I have great relationships with all my siblings, but my, my older siblings were almost more like aunts and uncles or like other parents because the age gap was so big. Um, and then my brother that I'm closest in age to, um, that's only three years older than me. We disliked each other our entire childhood. It was like constant battling. And then once we got to college, uh, we went to the same college, we became best friends and we're still super super close um but yeah i'm i'm really fortunate that i have really great relationships with everyone 
in my family and have learned so much from each of them. I feel like I, I kind of um, am the most lucky in my family that I got the benefit of of being the youngest, of getting to learn from them all and, and kind of cherry picking my favorite parts of them, um, right. to, to have as, as my own and, and learn from their mistakes. And so, uh, yeah, I'm super, I'm super lucky in our family life for sure. I'm, I'm curious cause you know, you say you've got, you know, an almost aunt uncle type relationship with your older siblings and then your best friends with your, your closest. Is there any sense of, uh, of like guilt or any 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 sense of you know something in that in that territory of having th- that different dynamic with your siblings has that ever yeah come up in that way yeah um for sure especially with I would say my my oldest brother I think um I think he he I could see him potentially wanting to be closer to us um, and mm-hmm. there's such a generational difference too and we have very different hobbies and very different politics um and so I don't have a lot in common with him and so he's not someone I would normally be friends with and so we're very civil to each other we love each other you know and we'll send each other Instagram messages things like that but I'm not close to him and there definitely is that little underlying level of guilt and I also grew up Catholic, so guilt is a very common word in our family. <laughs> so I'm I'm recovering. I don't really I'm not a practicing Catholic, but I <laughs> guilt is still very ingrained in in uh in any lens I take to relationships of like sure yeah for, for sure yeah. um and I I know I can't really ask that but do you have siblings as well? Yeah, yeah. So I have two. Okay. Um and we uh we grew up in a jewish household so i can definitely relate to you on the guilt being yeah, a yeah. present we <laughs> have that in common <laughs> oh yes that's the one thing that really unites the jews and the catholics it is, really is, does yeah. is that guilt Perfect but um <laughs> <laughs> so i'm the oldest and okay. then my brother is four and a half years younger than i am mm-hmm. and then my sister much like you was a bit of a surprise mm-hmm. um so uh we are 11 and a half years apart and you know, it's it's interesting because I can relate in a sense to your oldest brother with the gap. Now, I was only eleven when my sister was born, so I was still a kid. At seventeen, you're basically off doing your own thing. Right. Um, but when I was leaving for college, you know, she was seven, right? Six, seven, and I've since, you know did undergrad grad school started a career I'm, I'm decently into my career and she's entering high school and it it's it's an interesting when you said it's almost like an aunt uncle kind of relationship mm-hmm. i don't think we're quite there we're pretty close um mm-hmm. for for the holidays my my parents got her animal crossing and <laughs> um my wife is is completely addicted to it and then I I uh, play every so often just to oblige my wife. Sure. So like we spent New Year's on on each other's islands for uh, uh, with my sister, and um, so we're we're close closer than like an aunt and uncle situation. But I can definitely relate to there being times where it kind of teetered towards that end of the spectrum. Right, and it it just it it's interesting 
because with the big generational gaps too, you know, it's like our, our, the, a lot of the things that I think people typically share with their siblings, like the same TV shows you watch, the same video games, the, what technology you grew up with, uh, you know, all of those pop culture references, things like that are so different when you have that big of a gap that I feel closer to my niece, my oldest brother's daughter, who's only eight years younger than me, mm-hmm. than I do him. It's very odd. Sure. Um, sure. So, yeah, I, I could see that. Um, but, yeah, and you find those ways to connect. But yeah. um, in a lot and, of ways, there's that. Yeah, and, and as far as kind of to your point, so I was born in 95, kind of the tail end of the millennials, mm-hmm. and then my siblings were born in 99 and 2006. Mm-hmm. And even though... I am much closer in age to my brother. The generational difference between the end of the millennials and the beginning of Gen Z puts him and my sister in this in a more similar upbringing than mm-hmm. me and my brother, even though they are seven years apart. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't. My first phone was a flip phone that <laughs> had you know a limited amount of minutes. Right. And no, no texting, none of that, right? right? And that that is such a foreign concept to, especially my sister. My brother kind of gets it because he saw it with my parents' sure. phones and me getting my first phone. My sister, I mean, that, that that's or that's a that's a dinosaur technology, right? Right. I, I mean, had to, nothing makes me feel more ancient than talking to my nieces and nephews about technology. It's so funny. For sure, for sure. I I was trying to explain to my sister what T nine texting was. Ooh, that's and, fine. And it took some time. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, it's it's been interesting to see just how all the upbringings are are so different between yeah. me and then the two of them. Totally. Uh, my uh, my niece has asked me. This is the one that like floored me. Uh, asked, "What does hang up the phone mean?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, you've never hung up." a phone i had to explain to them phones used to be you had to like hang them up it was on a thing <laughs> right yeah what a concept um and they they also have asked what the save button why the save button looks that way because they've never mm-hmm. seen a floppy disk i was like yeah. wow this is crazy um so yeah I, I can relate to that for sure that's funny i saw kind of to, to that last point i saw something on i don't know if it was on facebook or, or whatever um but there was some there was like a gen z kid who took his first job at like an engineering company or something and they like 3d printed a floppy disk as one <laughs> of the projects and apparently this kid and his you know group of peers who are all millennials plus sure. asked he was like why did you 3d print the save button <laughs> <laughs> and people were like oh my god that's crazy so fun yeah and, and just like other like little concepts like you couldn't play, you can only play video games on channel three or four. Right. It, there, it wasn't just, it wasn't like the Roku TVs now that you just hit, put it to the PlayStation or whatever. Yeah, just, no, it was, I mean, it was a, a whole setup. I mean, I even, because we had the old gray Nintendo and I mm-hmm. had like a system where you had to like blow into it and hit yep. it like three times in order to get it to work right. So I could play Duck Hunt, you know, it's like right. there was a... <laughs> <laughs> there was a process <laughs> yeah yeah so um 
but yeah, yeah now I'm like the elder millennial that's like back in my day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, technology is a fun one to pick apart. Yeah. Um, I just like, just, I remember like Saturday morning cartoons uh, mm. and the commercials like Floam, if that, if you remember <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, and just like all, all the the toys were just like people screaming at you. Yeah. Commercials in themselves the, are the now concept archaic. of commercials. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's crazy, but yeah, makes, I, makes you feel old, doesn't it? It really does. You're like back in my day, we all just watched what was ever on TV, and you had to sit through commercials. <sighs> Couldn't that fast one. forward. Fast so, forward. Yeah, kind of segueing into, um, I, a potentially more serious question. Uh, is there anyone from your childhood that you wish you could get back into contact with? Um, you know, I, I've been lucky that I, I mean, because of social media, it's been pretty easy to, to get back in contact with some of the people. Um, I had my fourth grade teacher reach out on Facebook and it just mm -hmm. like made my heart explode because she was my favorite teacher. But I, you know, you just assume you're like one of a million students. Um, right. so it was great to, to connect back with her. My, my best friend and I've had the same best friend since I was four. Um, we met in preschool and, uh, we definitely don't talk as much as I wish we did. You know, we're still connected. I'll still wish her, you know, happy birthday and Merry Christmas and things like that, but right. definitely kind of, um, lost touch and aren't as close and, there's some of those for sure that, you know, you just kind of wish that you can get back in touch with a little bit more, but, um, it's kind of one of those things of like, all I have to do is pick up the phone, but <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my follow-up. What's, what's stopping you from rekindling <laughs> right. that? All right. It's like, uh, I'll, I, all I really need to do is just pick up that phone and, and kind of, um, reconnect with, with some of those, um, friendships. I think part of the problem is, is that to, I, uh, I think, you know, liking things on Instagram and making quick comments on social media feels like connection without being connection. And so there's this justification of, of saying like, oh yeah, no, I still chat with them all the time um, because we send each other memes with, when that's not actually right. connecting with someone and staying truly in touch. Like I couldn't tell you I know I talked to her briefly about the pandemic because she's a nurse, but um, I can't really tell you much of what's going uh, truly going on in her life. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just this uh, justification for like saying that social media is actually connecting when it's not. Right. And, and I would. I, I don't think advise is quite the quite the right word, but I would say. If that's something that you want to do, mm -hmm. I would recommend you do it. And the reason being is I had, um, and I don't think I've, I've said this story on the podcast yet, um, similar to you, you know, meeting in, in preschool. Um, I grew up in Florida and we moved uh, back to Florida from uh, New Hampshire where my dad was doing his grad school at the time. So we moved to Tampa, Florida, and, and they enrolled me in this preschool when I was three. And I uh, very quickly became the closest friends with these two other boys, Scott and Mark. Mm -hmm. And just by complete happenstance, it turned out all three of us were, were Jewish. So 
uh, growing up, we went to each other's bar mitzvahs and, and, you know, we were you know, just the best of friends. Yeah. And um, I ended up when I was 11 or 12, um, we moved to another town in Florida. So kind of lost touch. Um, we, we kept in touch loosely through our parents. But the, the best friend status was really just because of the time spent, not because right. of the relationship itself. Um, and Mark and I kept in touch more than I did with Scott. And fast forward to about two years ago, um, and, and, and Scott struggled with, with drugs and whatnot for quite some time. But unfortunately, he, he died of a heroin overdose about two years ago now. And if I could go back and rekindle that sooner, I wish that I could have, um, but I can't. Um, so what I had was the memories from, you know, three to, we'll call it like 13, 14, and then just like a steep drop off. And then he passed. And yeah, if I could go back and rewrite time, I would, um, but I can't. So I would say if that's something that's on your mind, do it. There's nothing stopping you from picking up the phone. And unfortunately, we really don't know what the world is going to be. And, you know, COVID proved that we don't know what's yeah, around the so corner. True. Right. So none of, none of life is guaranteed for sure. Definitely. So. That, I'm so sorry to hear that too. I think that's uh, it's such a such a harsh lesson, but I feel like you know sharing that how much those stories can wake people up to be like, yeah, I've got to act now. Like it's got to happen today. Yeah, that's you know, it, it was a harsh lesson, but uh, but a lesson nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's certainly you know plenty to to take from it, and I've got this little um picture of the three of us when we started kindergarten just the three of us standing next to each other <laughs> that I have on my desk um just a just kind of as a, a day-to-day reminder of 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 that and a lot of why the show came to be was stemming from you know wanting to look back on on those nice stories and of those good times mm-hmm. and because it's easy to dwell in the in the dark and depressing but a lot most of growing up is awesome Right. So that's kind of where yeah, what inspired the show. I think that's great. It's but yeah, because I think um, we were even talking about this over Christmas. Uh, just it's so fun to see the magic of the holidays through kids' eyes, and just kids have such a fun perspective about the world. Because yeah, they just they you know they have that innocence. They haven't been through deep loss. They haven't been through heartbreak. They've you know, you think back on your childhood and most of us have had, you know, a lot of us have been fortunate to have really awesome childhoods that we just have a lot of great memories. Um, so I think it's great that you're kind of uh, cultivating a space that people are sharing because, you know, even um, listening to your episode with, with Rachel, of course, you start, when you're listening to these stories, you start reminiscing about your own. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's really, it's really fun to have that reflection. Yeah. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So going back into something more lively and happy and, and, and enjoying the reflection. 
thinking back to your birthdays and birthday parties, mm. which one was just the best birthday? Oh, what year was that? I want to say it was when I was 12. Um, so the same best friend that I was talking about, we were born four days apart. So we always had joint birthday parties any chance mm-hmm. we could. There was one year that our moms surprised us with, there was like, it was our, one, I think it was our first co-ed party too. So I think it was, I want to say we were 12. It was our first like co-ed party. Um, and our moms surprised us with a limo, which when you're a kid, Ooh, dang. Yeah. a limo is like the coolest thing ever, even though for sure. Like, <laughs> like now looking back, like, oh my God, so funny. But we just thought we were the coolest kids and all the kids talked about it at school the next day. And we just felt like we were rock stars. Um, and so that, I think that birthday for sure stands out. And especially since I'm, it's funny because I don't mind, I don't mind speak public speaking. I don't mind, um, having, you know, attention in, the, in that way, but I, I really despise being like the center of attention when with like birthday parties, like I never know mm-hmm. what to do when someone's singing me happy birthday and I didn't want like a big wedding. We end up eloping for that reason too. It just, I don't like that type of like all eyes on me, emotional attention. So right. being able to share my birthday with my best friend, I think made that so much easier growing up too. And so like all of those birthdays that we had joint birthdays together were always so much better because then it was like, we're having a party. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. I, I'm similar in, in that sense. I was never a big, never a big birthday kid. Yeah. Um, at least like w- once I moved into past 13 when I was real, you know, cringy and, and angsty <laughs> sure. and, you know, as 13 year olds are. Yeah. The weird um, age. Yeah. I, I can definitely relate to not wanting eyes on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, just, having just being jewish and 13s when i had my bar mitzvah so coming off the heels of a birthday party essentially where i had homework and 200 people showed up i was like that's my that's my birthday quote i'm done yeah and to this day i am not a big birthday guy i just want a a quiet day i want you know i I appreciate the phone calls from family says hey happy birthday i love you done easy peasy and then i go about my day Yep, um, I'm with you. And I think that does stem from having all of that attention, <laughs> kind of to your well, point. I'm sure. So well, early on, like you said, you have homework. Like that's intense. Oh yeah, and we, so my family, we were reform, which is like, you know, entry level Jew. We weren't <laughs> too, uh, we we weren't too committed. You know, we still ate like pork and whatnot. Um, but when we moved to, uh what was a small town in Florida at the time. Um, our only option was through a group called Chabad and which are like the, the dot your I's and cross your T's Jews. Mm-hmm. Every, every rule is law type mm-hmm. of situation. So my, the service was entirely in Hebrew and four oh. hours long. Oh boy. Yeah. And when, so for additional context, my, I Jewish through my mom's side, my dad's side is all Cuban, deeply Catholic Cubans, right? Interesting. So 
for that wing of the family coming to a four-hour Hebrew service, they're like, what the hell is happening right now? Yeah, they're like, a one-hour Catholic Mass is long enough. <laughs> right. Yeah, imagine a four-hour Catholic Mass in a language yeah, no. you don't know. Wow. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Um, and that kind of also pushed me away from from Judaism. I'm, I'm it's tough because I'm not practicing in any any way, shape, or form. Sure. But I love that I am Jewish. If that makes any <laughs> sense. I um, I get it because there is some kind of like solidarity when I find other people that have suffered through the same like childhood I have with the Catholicism. There is like some sense of solidarity. But I'm with you. I'm like I always tell people I'm recovering. I I there's not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go to mass like where I'm definitely not Catholic. I wouldn't say I'm religious at all, but I, there is this sense of, of solidarity and pride that kind of comes with. <laughs> yeah. There's like, it's a culture. Yeah. Um, and in the, in the case of the Jews, everyone's wanted to kill us for so long that we just kind of stick together regardless of if we believe or not. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Yeah, there's also that that huge piece <laughs> of the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, the history has not been the kindest. No, no, <laughs> still not. Uh, <laughs> no, no, unfortunately, but still not great. I, I think the world's moving in the right direction. We can only hope. To, when it comes to just tolerance in general. Yes, I I, I do I, agree with that. I think, you know, I like that people are are waking up. Yeah. <laughs> um. Speaking of, of waking up, what was one thing that you believed for way too long as a child, and when did you wake up? Ooh, oh man, uh, that's a great question. That's a fun one. I, I, okay, it's actually not to get too like political, but my my family is super super conservative, um, sure. and we're. But not, I wouldn't say, like, super educated about politics. So when I got to college, I thought that I was probably conservative, too, and then learned about politics. Right. And so I think realizing that what my actual beliefs were, and, like, it's funny because the, the, the moral fabric of what my parents taught me has led me down this path of activism. Um but their political views are the polar opposite of mine. Sure. So it's it's very interesting because I'm like, well, they're the ones that taught me that we need to like take care of the people and the planet and to, you know, stand up for what's right. Um, but they, you know, I have my, one of my brothers is gay too. And I'm like, you know, I'm a very activist in the LGBTQIA plus community. I, I wouldn't mm -hmm. say very, but I definitely try to be as much of an ally as I can. Sure. And it, it's just interesting just that it took me that long that I, I felt, I already thought I was like an adult by the time I realized that those weren't also my beliefs. I just assumed I had the same beliefs as the rest of my fam. Um, and it took way, I feel like it took way too long to un uncover that about myself. And it was a, a very weird rabbit hole to go down um, sure. when you're already like learning so much in college. So I think sure. that was probably the biggest aspect of, of that thing I believed way too long. Um, yeah, but that's a great question. What's yours? Oh, goodness. Um, 
see some of the typical ones like Santa I didn't deal with just because I didn't do sure. Christmas. Um, right. I did enjoy kind of s- sidebar. I did enjoy ruining Santa for all the other kids. Which <laughs> it was really dark and devious of me, but it that's like the one one saving grace for for Jews during the Christmas season. Sure, is when you're eight, just being like Santa's not real. But in any case, that's not <laughs> answering the question. Um, that's that's pretty funny though. <laughs> I would say. Kind of in that lane, though, um, the I I uncovered the tooth fairy very very early mm. um, because I had lost one of my first teeth and my mom had her hand under my pillow and was putting the dollar or quarter or whatever it was. Oh. I was like five and I woke up and I was like, "Hey, what you doing?" <laughs> what? So I I yeah, they had to confess very very early um that the tooth fairy wasn't wasn't real yeah um, so that's the that's what comes to mind but you know just kind of stemming off of your uh your political awakening um i similarly you know i was in i was in co- finishing up my undergrad um during the 20 i guess the 2015 16 primaries mm-hmm I was in grad school when the election happened, and I have some stories around that, but I was finishing up school um, during the primaries and was not politically engaged at all, and I watched one video of of, uh, Bernie Sanders doing an interview with, I don't even know who, CNBC or one of the news stations, and it was like a 45-minute, like, all-in exclusive interview. And I was like, oh, policies matter. <laughs> yeah. Policies have an impact on people. Like, all of this is real. Um, right. Because politics in my house was very, very surface level. Um, my parents are both staunch Democrats. And mm-hmm. the big, the big drama politically in my house was in 2016 my dad voted for Bernie in the primaries and my mom voted for Hillary. That was like the big to do. Got it. Um, so, but <laughs> very much in the same, on the same team. Ultimately. Right. Um, but I just, I just remember, I think it was after Bush's reelection. I'm nine and we're like driving home or something from school. And uh, I think my mom saw a bunch of like Bush, like uh, yard signs or something. And she was like, ugh. That was it. That's all. That was like that was as deep <laughs> like, as got it. Bush is bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's as that's as deep as like po- politics was. Sure. Right, and like I knew, like when Obama was elected, I knew that it was historic. But that's it. Like I didn't really get or was explained anything around the policies and the reasons why it was historic. Right. Right. <clears throat> so come that bernie sanders interview um i was like oh okay this is actually like they do jobs and they work for mm-hmm. people that makes sense that makes sense um, and from that when i first started my master's degree i actually interned um in sherrod brown's constituent office in cincinnati ohio and um that was the fall of 2016 and Senator Brown's the Democratic senator from Ohio 
Um, his his colleague is Rob Portman, who's a Republican. So it was a split split Senate state, and um, my job was just to answer the phones and take constituent opinions. Yeah, and that was interesting. <laughs> I bet that was. Well, now uh, now you would have been on the other side of me calling <laughs> like once a week. <laughs> oh, you were one of those. We had. I, we I had, am now. I am. We now. had our regulars. Now I call. Oh, I mean, I call Mitch McConnell's office at least once a week. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah. I and then my my local um, Denver ones. I call all the time about environmental issues because it mm-hmm. really does. Um, when you when you start to yeah, I have, I have friends that did the same job that you do, and they're like, no, we really do have to pass that information up, and yep. it does. It can make a, an an impact. Um, and as soon as I figured that out, I just added them to my speed dial. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, we had we had our regulars who would the office didn't open until nine and we had one guy who would call at eight fifty seven every day <laughs> and we couldn't pick up. So we had to he would go to voicemail and he would leave the same monologue voicemail every single morning. Is it a script? Did he it was. Read, like a boring every sing- script every, every time? single morning. Senator Brown in two thousand six, this bill was up for blah blah blah, and you were the deciding vote. And I want to understand why you think that you want to ruin this country for I mean I, <laughs> yeah. every day it was the same thing. Yep. So we would play that voicemail while we, uh, and he would never leave a phone call to or a phone number to return the call, and um, so we would just like warm up the computers while he, we played his voicemail. That was our like it was part of our just opening morning routine. routine. You're like yeah. I'm gonna sip my coffee, listen to the crazy guy again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and and um, I I have said this this uh story on the podcast before, so listeners bear with me. Um, but I think you'll appreciate it quite a bit. Um. There is so when I picked up the phone, I had to be like Senator Sherrod Brown's office. This is Justin. How may I help you? But one morning, because we were like approaching the 2016 election, so I was just exhausted. One morning, I had a bit of a mental slip, and I pick up the phone. I go, Senator Sherrod Brown. <laughs> and that's it. Oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah. Now, anyone who actually knows Sherrod Brown knows he has the single most identifiable voice because it sounds like he's talking through rocks. <laughs> and it's the weirdest, hoarsest, like gravelly voice. And <laughs> so whoever, the lady that called in, she was like, Senator Brown, I have concerns. <laughs> <laughs> She's so, like, oh, he picked up the phone. You probably totally threw her off her game, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I think if, if one of the, huh, I don't know, I, I feel like I'd be excited. I'd be like, oh, finally. <laughs> right. But I think, especially earlier on when I first started making phone calls and stuff, I think it would have been very intimidating. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and and so you're like, I have concerns, and I was like, oh shit, okay, how do I get out of this one? And I was just like, I'm gonna place you on hold, and one of my staff members will be ready to take you take your concerns and blah blah blah. I don't remember exactly how I Did said. Did you just re pick back up? And you're like, and then, I'm I, and then I put it on hold, and then I kind of <laughs> changed my voice a little bit. I go, this is Justin. How can I, you know? <laughs> and then oh, I, great. yep, 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 yep. So I very briefly impersonated a United States senator on accident. Whoops. That's really funny. Oopsies. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to ask you, and this is one of my, my standard closing ones, because it's always fun. What is the most embarrassing story from your childhood? most embarrassing I've probably blocked most of them out I'm assuming that it would take some like deep psychotherapy to uncover a lot of them um junior high when I moved back to Colorado so 
again, childhood is spent in tiny town, Nevada, moved back to Colorado. I feel like Colorado is really cool and I'm not cool. Um, and I'm starting <laughs> junior high at age 12 with no friends. So super intimidating. Um, one of my first days, if not my first day, I forget where in the lineup and how I've stored mem- the memory is that it was one, it was like the first day of school. Mm-hmm. Totally ate shit going down the stairs. Ooh. Like, fully ate it like in front of in my mind all of the coolest kids in school mm-hmm. um and pretty sure i turned like the color purple and just like wanted to curl up and die because to me that was just like the most embarrassing thing that they all laughed um i was humiliated and yeah i'm pretty sure i didn't like recover at all that day i probably didn't talk to another soul that day but that's right immediately it was like well and we had these in my junior high we had these like those like main kind of quad area in the middle and then these four huge staircases that came mm-hmm. down so it was like in front of everyone kind of situation um and not just like a, a little side staircase so right, right, yeah right. that was kind of my like movie embarrassing moment but yeah i'm sure that there's plenty of uncovered embarrassing moments <laughs> that i've just tucked away <laughs> Right Pretty now, heavily. like from that, are you still someone who just kind of wants to blend in with the crowd? And I, I imagine that actually kind of feeds your uh, aversion to being the center of attention because it could have, yeah, it definitely could have, or that was just part of it. But no, um, now I don't get embarrassed hardly at all. I'm a complete goofball and don't care about you know making a complete ass of myself um, and kind of own it. But when you're that age when you're 13 all of that matters I just kind of it's like I kind of had this moment I think probably in college where I was like oh everyone has these moments and we're all weirdos and the only way we're all going to be happy is if we stop caring so much um so I kind of gave up caring what other people think about me because I realized Mm -hmm. it's really none of my business what other people think about me right that's their Um, problem yeah that's their problem what they think about me and I'm just going to be my complete goofball self and be like the person that's really into sustainability and bees and make you know (laughs) just you know dance in the middle of my living room and not care (laughs) sure yeah but um but yeah it took me a while to get there definitely junior high beth cared very 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 deeply about what everyone thought of her oh of course of course i i can i can tell you i do not miss the angst of being a teenager god no (laughs) Oh man, thank God I had emo music to get me through those tough times. <laughs> oh, actually, that that does stem into a very interesting question. If I had to t- take your your middle school or high school iPod Ooh. and s- and scan through it, what am I? What's on it? Yeah, nice uh, nice technology throwback too, because it was an iPod. Um, oh, yeah. and it was like the big one. It wasn't like even the cute little one yet for me. Yeah, it was like the big iPod. The iPod uh, classic. Um, yeah, the classic, the OG. Um. It was uh, so my one of uh, my middle brother was obsessed with 311, so I was also mm-hmm. obsessed with 311. So there was a lot of 311. There was a lot of Snoop Dogg, um, and then getting into high school, I mean, all of the angsty teen tunes. So like, mm-hmm. um, you know, Yellow Card, Fall Out Boy, uh, Plain White Tees, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. all of these very um, you know, angsty emo jams uh, were definitely just on repeat 
in my car. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah, it's pretty funny to like think back. Some of my high school friends, you know, we'll send each other playlists and stuff. We're like, wow, this we had a lot of feelings for people that had mm-hmm. not been through anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mine was, mine was such a weird, just like collage of music because um, I was a band kid and all my undergrad was actually in classical music. Oh, um, nice. What did so you play? I played the saxophone. Nice. So I did that and then I did a complete switch and then went nonprofit and then ultimately landed in finance. But in any case with my, yeah, that's a hard turn. My my, each step made like linear sense, but my sure. resume is all over the place. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure that's kind of fun to like in interviews to be like. So <laughs> every single interview, they go, "Tell me about this." <laughs> like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Um, but my my stemming from the you know the classical music world, my iPod made no sense. Like if you put that on shuffle, it would be. You know, some sort oh, of symphony next to <laughs> the next to the same angsty teenage music, the My sure. Chemical Romances and the oh, Fall yeah. Out Boys, just like just like most All kids. And then there, I also had my metal phase. Oh, so nice. uh, next to like Metallica and Megadeth <laughs> and all those guys. And then it would be like jazz. I'd have like Gordon Goodwin's Big Fat Band, and then it would go. My dad's side's family's Cuban, so then it would be Elvis Crespo, and then it would be. I mean, it makes zero sense. Oh, zero that's sense. Awesome. I'm sure putting it on shuffle would just be so entertaining. <laughs> it it really you can't like get a any singular vibe from my playlist because it just like completely shifts gears from yeah. song to song. Yeah. Do you, well, cause I, I notice I, I do that now more. That's probably more, more what my playlist is now, but did you kind of cultivate your own moods based on your music when you were that age then too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I remember there in the garage, my parents had this big box of CDs back when you still had to like make your playlist on iTunes with actual CDs or buy it. Yeah. Um, it took ages. Yeah. And it was a whole day's worth of like getting your iPod ready. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I would just go through all of their stuff and I would have it kind of segmented into, yeah, the different vibes. Um, yeah. And if I was feeling the need to be angsty, I had my angsty playlist. If I had the need to be angry, then there was my metal playlist. (laughs) Um, if I wanted to seem sophisticated, then there was my classical music playlist. None of it mattered because it was in my ears only with my earbuds. So, but it was just, yeah, but it was just for whatever I wanted to maybe that was to like uh to help uh influence my how I interacted in the world that day I I don't don't know what the reason was especially at that age it's hard to articulate emotion or at least it was you know I think it is for a lot of people at that age that you know I I didn't have a therapist so it's like hard to figure out how to articulate our emotion and so if you can at least match your emotion to music there is some kind of sense of understanding absolutely absolutely yeah yeah, yeah so be like how, how are you justin and then i just like <laughs> pull out my earbud <laughs> and blast it. that's how i'm doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's awesome but yeah. on cds that's such a that's such a good throwback for technology again too i remember in college uh my friend danny burned me like a hundred CDs and it's to this day like one of the nicest presents but uh, mm-hmm. of course it was like <laughs> now it's completely obsolete but it's completely. yeah it's just 
how how long that took you had to download it you had to yeah yeah I mean, and, and nowadays it's either going to be continued streaming or whatever the next thing is going to be or the throwback goes back to vinyl like we're skipping like cds are done we I, actually got a record player a few years ago and we've mm-hmm. been collecting vinyl and it's actually i do have to say it is like uh, of course i'm like you know the elder millennial again so i'm like this is how music should be but right. <laughs> um it is nice to just listen to a full album like i used to yeah yeah so it, it how we consume just content and and yeah. information and and data and, and you know interactions it's all so segmented just it because is. or not segmented but so like scatterbrained in a yeah. way and in a weird way, like cyclical, like it comes back around. Yeah. 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 If you're listening to an album, you can't like repeat your f- hit singles over and over again off of the album. Nope. You got to, you got to sit through all of the songs. Gotta sit through all of it. And, you know, it kind of, it does absolutely impact how music is made. Right. Cause they make the hit, yes. the radio hits. And then they're like, we need five more songs. And they just kind of throw together whatever. Mm-hmm. And, it's all kind of informing itself. Um, like you remember the, the app like Shazam with like the, yeah. uh, to what song is this like feature? Yeah. That, the, the way that that company actually made their money was by selling the data of what people are asking to identify to the music production companies, right? So let's really? just say, yeah, yeah. So basically it's like Ed Sheeran comes out with a song. People... Like, what's this? And then they identify it as Ed Sheeran's song. The music production companies, by buying that data, see that all these people are trying to know what Ed Sheeran's song is. Therefore, they must like it. Therefore, we're going to continue to make songs just like that. Mm. Because that's what's popular. And that's, that's what, what's popular. That's what people want to exactly. identify and know. That's so smart. Yeah. But also, but, like, sad. <laughs> right. Well, now, because of that, that's why all songs sound the same. Right. You've got your standard pop male voice sound and you've got your standard pop female voice sound and all the songs are the same because of how that system has worked over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah. And which is why you have someone like, you know, Billie Eilish or something who comes in and throws a wrench in just the sound of the genre. And well, and then the only reason she could do that is because she produced it herself, right? Exactly. Yeah. Her and her brother. Yeah. I am, I am a, huge quiet Billie Eilish fan and I've been made fun of quite a bit for it I feel like you should just scream it from the rooftops she's the best get out there dye your hair green make it weird ah I work in finance I can't get away with it (laughs) but I will I will in my in my little cubicle I will very quietly listen to her songs as I as I work but no she's great she is Uh, brilliant and she is a disruptor and I appreciate any disruptors exactly exactly so Especially because that's now the system we have, right? We're just going to, it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Because we're like, give me this. I like this. Give me more of this. And it's just this like, yeah, this cycle. Right. So, all right. I've got one final question for you. Okay. Because I have to let you go here soon. Who were your childhood celebrity or cartoon crushes? Oh, that's fun. Oh, what were my childhood celebrity crushes? Um, Nick Hexen, the the lead singer of Three Eleven, mm-hmm. definitely. I was like, okay, I think that's 
the moment that I realized that I was straight, I was like, that, (laughs) (laughs) that works for me. Um, and, uh, the movie, a river runs through it. My, my family's a big fly, a big fly fishing family. I've been fly fishing Mm -hmm. my whole life. Um, so a river runs through it is one of the like standard movies we watch all the time. And, um, obviously Brad Pitt and that is just a dream boat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's such a, like a cliche, like a answers, like everyone said Brad Pitt, but he really was like one of my first. No, most people go to Nickelodeon cast members. That's where. Yeah, I know. I had like weird, mature. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, ah, men that were like 30 years older than me, (laughs) which is funny because like my my husband is grade uh, like pretty early and I'm like, maybe this is part of the the attraction. Right. I've been into the older guy look. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's. Uh, I definitely had a type. I'm trying to think if there were any. I mean, yeah, there was definitely some Nickelodeon one, like Nickelodeon ones. I'm sure, like, uh, what was his name? Justin Taylor Thomas, definitely on the list. Um, yeah, that's funny. That's a good question. What were yours? Um, the Nickelodeon cast members. Um, yeah, so all of, <laughs> all of them. I mean. Uh, Miranda Cosgrove from you know Drake and Josh and and oh, later, yeah. later than like Harley, um, you know Ariana Grande, Victoria Justice that that Ariana Grande totally forgot she was on Nickelodeon. That's where yeah. she started. That's where she got her her start when she was like fourteen fifteen on Nickelodeon. That's right. It was okay That's that I had a crush on her because I was also fourteen fifteen. So right. talking about it now, several years later, is a little weird. But back then, it was normal. <laughs> Right. Uh, You're like, back then, we were the same yeah. age. It's fine. It's not like you were like Brad Pitt. And people are like, oh, that still can stand today. That's fine. Yeah. Um, um, Emma Watson as Hermione Granger. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. Um, but as as I've gotten older, that list has, I think, I like to think, gotten more and more mature. Right now, my, my, my to this day, crush is Deborah Messing. Really? Oh yes. Just what 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 did it for you? Was it a certain role? What was it? Um actually, I think it was when she was in Smash on NBC. If you ever watched that one, the like the musical. It only had two seasons. It didn't have a long run. It was okay. canceled pretty quick. Um but it was her and Catherine McPhee from American Idol was like the the lead in it and it was just like the drama of like Broadway musicals. It was like kind of the whole, the whole the premise. Gist of it. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun! I feel like all of yours too. They they stand up. You know, it's like they're all of those. All those women are are, are women are still total babes. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. And they're also strong powerhouse women who are taking powerhouse the smart women. Yeah, yeah. You picked a good lot. Yeah, yeah I feel and... like yeah. When I look at mine, I'm like, yeah, all mine aged well. At least I had good taste. Right. <laughs> Yeah, like the Brad Pitt, George Clooney lane. Can't right. go wrong. You know, Nick, he- Nick Hexon's like 50 and he still looks fabulous. <laughs> yeah. I stand by it. <laughs> yeah. If your celebrity crush could travel from 12 years old to now, you picked a good one. You picked a good one. You have good taste in people. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. All right. I do have to let you go, but thank you so much for giving me a whole hour of your time. I do thank appreciate you. it very This much. was so fun. It was so nice to getting to, to chat with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to staying in touch. Yeah. And, and I spent quite a bit of time in Colorado because my in-laws are in Highlands Ranch. So. Oh, I've, yeah. I've, uh... <laughs> please please uh, um, let me know when you come out and we'll have to go. I'll go do a few uh, 
a few runs um, on the slopes with you guys. Sometime. Oh, for sure. I'm going to have to meet your bees because I still am absolutely fascinated. Oh, by... anytime. I love giving <laughs> tours. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Beth. And I hope you have a, a great rest of your day. And we'll, we'll talk soon. You too. All righty.